the Thrill of Hope message series, last week we spoke uh, for a few moments in Matthew chapter 1 about how that God promised a Savior and how that that uh, played out in our life that a promised ring and different uh, analogies we used to give us a point of how that uh, would work. This week we're going to look at a, a second promise God made because God's promise endures. They continue. They, they don't stop. Ain't you glad when God promises something, he don't just get halfway through it and give up and say, well, I can't finish that? Has anybody else ever done that? You started something and didn't finish it? Anybody guilty of that? I know I am, that I'll begin a work. But the Bible says that he who began a good work in you will accomplish it or he will, he will finish it until that day. He's going to keep working on you. And I'm glad that God's working on us as a church and as a group of people that we are continuing to uh, be used by God in our community. I'm glad Dusty went to the uh, show and tell for our website. It's pretty cool to get to know that and see that. So uh, we thank God for BethesdaPeople.com because it will allow us to be a, uh, a voice for Christ in our community. And how many would like to see our website, the first one on the list, when somebody punches church in Lewis County, I would like to see Bethesda be the first one pops up so when they click it, it's a... So our scripture for this week is in Matthew chapter 1 again. We're going to uh, dig back into uh, Matthew chapter 1. We're going to read several verses today. So uh, I'm going to allow you to sit today because it's Christmas season. And I'm going to read through Matthew chapter 1, 1 through 17. It says, This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah. And his brothers, Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Amenadab. Amenadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Solomon. Solomon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the father of Abijah. Abijah was the father of Asa. Asa was the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the father of Jerome. Jerome was the father of Uzziah. Uzziah was the father of Jotham. Jotham was the father of Ahaz. Ahaz was the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh. Manasseh was the father of Ammon. Ammon was the father of Josiah. Josiah was the father of Jerome. What is that? Jerochim. Okay. Jerochim. And his brothers, born at the time of the exile of Babylon. No wonder they give him a name like that. It's during the exiles when they're all getting carried off. After the Babylonian exile, Jerome was the father of Shetel. Shetel was the father of Jerubal. Jerubal was the father of Abed. Abed was the father of Elikim. Elikim was the father of Azor. Azor was the father of Zadok. Zadok was the father of Achim. Achim was the father of Elud. Elud was the father of Elazar. Elazar was the father of Bathon. Bathon was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. And those listed above include 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to Babylonian exile, and 14 from the Babylonian exile to the Messiah. That was pretty quick for 17 verses. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the thrill of hope that you place in our lives. God, we ask today that you would speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, Speak to every part of our being, God, that we would align ourselves with your will, with your word, 
and with what you want to accomplish in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says amen. The thrill of hope. Hope comes when a promise is made. When the promise is made, it sparks a, a, a whole host of things goes on within our body. When, when somebody promises us, our, us something, it, it something happens in our brain that uh, starts sending signals, and it, it just sends a tingling sensation all over our body that our nervous system is, is coming into alignment with somebody saying they're going to do something. It's a promise is made. And that thrill of hope is something we need to have, the thrill of hope inside of us, that Christ is alive and well. Amen? That he is still working on us as individuals. And when he makes a promise, we need to know that he will fulfill that promise. We don't need to grow weary in well-doing, the Bible says, because we'll faint if we do that. But if we faint not, then we'll obtain what he, he has promised us. How many has a promise from God? How many has ever thought that God has promised you something and made you a promise and you're holding on to that promise to the degree that I'm never going to let go of it? I'm not going to give up. It may not seem like it's going to come to pass or it may not be something I can physically put my hands on right now, but I know that I know that I know that God has promised me something and I'm going to hold on to his promise. That's the thrill of hope is the promise there. And God gives us promises in our life and, and he, he gives us hope of a future that's going to be better than the pain of our past. The hope of your future is better than the pain of your past. And as we see in this uh, scripture reading that we read today about how that the, there was a promise made that we read last week in Genesis, how that God promised in Genesis chapter 3 a Messiah was going to come and the a seed of the woman was going to come and bruise the head of the serpent. How many glad Jesus was born? That was the end of the devil's domain over mankind. His, his authority that he was given in the garden by man, where man said, I don't want to uh, listen to God. I want to listen to my own reasoning, and I would rather have the knowledge of good and evil so that I'll know when I'm doing good and I'll know when I'm doing bad. You all have that. That was the authority. And we said, we're going to give the authority over our lives to the devil so that he can tell us if we're doing right or wrong. How many would have been better off? No, we would have been better off in the Garden of Eden if they wouldn't have given that authority away. But now we have a promise in Genesis chapter 3 where God promises that there's going to be one born that's going to crush the head of the serpent. That was Jesus Christ. So the morning of, of the birth of Christ, that's when the bruise happened. That's where Christ ended what was going to, uh, where the devil had authority in our lives. So now who has authority in our lives? Jesus Christ does. He's the one that has authority over mankind now. And we need to understand that when we have his hope in our life that he can, he can take our painful past and make a bright present and even a better future. Is anybody listening? That is the thrill of hope. And as I look at this uh, lineage of people and how that in uh, Matthew chapter 1, that, that this is the first uh, initial pages of our New Testament that we read in Matthew chapter 1. It's the first book of the New Testament. This is the first chapter in the New Testament. And God starts out with the lineage. Think about that. The first word, it had been 400 and some years that there had not been one word written by God to humanity. Is the, the silent years, they call it. 
There was no prophets speaking. There was no prophets writing. There was nothing for 400 years. And then all of a sudden, Jesus comes on the scene, and Matthew, when the New Testament starts, that God begins to write to humanity again, this is the words he writes. Who's the father of who? You think that's important? You think God's trying to set us up to read something into the New Testament that we can see that there's a plan? God don't work off a of happenstance. He don't just all of a sudden wake up one morning and say, well, I think it's time for Jesus to come. I think it's all a plan. I think I serve a God that has a plan for humanity. I believe that I serve a God that gives us a hope and, and a future. I, I serve a God that knows the plan. It, the Bible says that he knows our end from our beginning. Does that sound like somebody that's got a plan? I think so. How many of you have ever planned something and not completed it? I want a raise of hands. How many ever started to make no-bake cookies for Pastor Ben and then didn't? I want to see a raise of hands. Anybody ever done that? Come on, people. I love no-bake cookies. I mean, just any moment, it ought to just click in your head and be like, man, we ought to make Pastor Ben some cookies. I'm going to follow through with that one. Wouldn't that be nice? It gives me a thrill of hope. <laughs> there's, there's hope just uh, like those little uh, electronic signals I was talking about a minute ago. I got a, there's just a thrill went up my spine, Greg, when I was thinking about somebody making me warm no-bake cookies. It's just, that would be awesome, Sister Joanne, not mention any names or anything. I mean, just any given time, uh, need some oats and some cocoa and some, um, you know. Does that give anybody else any thrill? Pete, wouldn't that just thrill you to death? To, yeah, no-bake would be good. Can't wait till the New Year's party. We're going to have no bakes. I assure you, somebody's coming with no bakes come New Year's to the Christmas party. But anyway, God gives us this thrill of hope into our lives that, he, that he's got a plan. I love it that he starts out the New Testament in Matthew chapter 1 that, hey, I had a plan. Here was my plan, and here's the fulfillment of my plan. I didn't just say that I was going to send a seed through the woman that was going to bruise the head of the serpent. I fulfilled that. God is a God that fulfills his promises. He don't give up halfway through. He don't stop in mid-course and say, well, that won't work. I messed up on that one. So as I'm thinking about that, that God is, is labeling who is the father of who, I think he's really trying to get back to the point that he wants us to see that he is the father of it all. You see, the Jewish people had got so far away from the initial faith that Abraham had in God that they, they had got so far away from, from God being our Heavenly Father that they was using Him as an example that He was so far off that we couldn't touch Him. Jewish people today still do the same thing. You can read their literature online, and they'll actually, if they write the name God, G-O-D, the word God, they put a little dash in the O. They won't even write his name. Because they say his name is so holy that they can't even pronounce it. And they, they're afraid to write it because they're afraid they'll put his name in a sentence where that he don't want it. God is too far away for me to ever touch. Does that sound like anybody familiar? How many's ever messed up? And sinned, actually a sin, 
And the initial response you had when you initially sinned was, I'm going to run to God. 99.9% of the time, people don't run to God during sin. They run from God from sin. Because they think, he will be ashamed of me. He will not love me. He will not have compassion on me this time because I've messed up again. And they run from God. So God is trying to paint this picture in the New Testament. It's not about a God that's so far off that he can't be touched by humanity. But he shows us individually that we can see this thrill of hope that he's given humanity was, I'm going to send my son. He's going to be born of a virgin. It says in Isaiah, there's some people that won't admit to a virgin birth of Jesus Christ. It's something we have to hold on to. Amen? It's one of our theological uh, most uh, sound doctrines that we can have is the virgin birth of Christ. We've seen in the Facebook video that they were saying, really, Joseph? Uh-huh, yeah, Holy Spirit got Mary pregnant. Yeah, right. That is a pretty far-fetched story. And to place it in our mind, what if, what if uh, midway through when me and Leslie got engaged, that, uh, you know, me and her was getting ready to be married and engaged to be married, and, and she comes to me halfway through and says, hey, I'm pregnant. The Holy Ghost talked to me about, hmm, yeah, pretty convenient, right? <laughs> but that's what they was facing. Joseph was facing that. But the thrill of hope that was coming down through the lineage, I think there were still people in Jerusalem in uh, um, <coughs> in the uh, faith of 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 their fathers that knew that God's promises were true, that they were yea and amen is what the New Testament said. God's promises are yea and amen. They are true. They are truth. So as we read about this father lineage thing, I think God is really painting a picture for us to see that my father is God. As humanity, the one that created us was Heavenly Father who initially formed man in his image, and he breathed the breath of life into mankind. I believe that that's he's painting the picture that I am Heavenly Father, and I am the one that ha cares about you and has compassion on you. So it's amazing to me that this uh, uh, Matthew chapter 1 lineage that we read about, it begins, it don't begin all the way back to Adam. It starts with somebody else. It starts with Abraham. Does anybody remember going to vacation Bible school when you was little and singing a song? Amy's already singing it. Father Abraham, many sons, many sons had Father Abraham, and I'm one of them, so you. So let's just praise the Lord right on left hand. Did anybody ever do that? Mark, you ever do that? It's awesome. Especially when you're a little kid and you got Kool-Aid and cookies. <laughs> it makes it better. I don't know why. Why do I always go back to food? What's this? What's up with me is cookies. Anyway, you'd think I'd have got a sweet tooth or something. Pop-tarts, no-bakes, cookies. But this, this lineage starts with Abraham. And how many knows that God is intentional about everything he does? He don't start with Adam. He starts with Abraham to prove the lineage of the promise of the Messiah. So as we see that Abraham begins this, we need to go back and understand why did he pick Abraham? Because he promised Abraham, you need to understand that this was prior to God writing any documents. There was no documents on the earth. They didn't have a Bible that they could refer to. They didn't have this. See, it's pretty nice for us because we've got this. And Sister Joanne talked about last week, 
or a week or two ago that she can go read her Bible and sit down and read it through the week and, and, and dig into this Bible and read God's Word and, and thank Him for the promises He gives us. We've got a written document of His promises. That's encouraging, isn't it? So back 6,000 years ago, God uh, told Adam, I'm kicking you out of the garden and you need to go over there and you're going to toil and you're going to work and do all this. And then so many generations later, there comes this guy named Abraham. And God gets involved in humanity again and he begins to make promises because somebody starts listening. I really believe today that God never stopped talking between Adam and Abraham. People stopped listening. There's a difference in saying God was uh, mute or he, he wouldn't even speak. And even the 400 years I talked about a minute ago between the Old Testament and the New Testament, I don't believe God stopped talking. I believe people stopped listening. And I believe in a church in the world we live in today, if we got a thrill of hope, we need to listen to the voice of God. Sometimes the prophet said that that's a still, small voice. It's a voice where we have to be real quiet to listen, to hear what he's got to say. Sometimes it's just written right here in this document is what we need to get our voice from God from. It's his word. But they didn't have this. And Abraham is, is growing up in this really bad culture, in this really bad environment. It's actually modern day where Iran is today. How many would have liked to have been born in Iran? How many would right now would give up your citizenship and say, well, I don't know why God made me born in America. I'd rather be an Iranian. It's where they cut people's hands off for stealing. Wouldn't that be a good way of government? Some people think that's a good thing. I'm glad we don't. I'm glad we're civilized as a society. I'm glad we're not barbaric in our ways. Amen? How many needs grace yourself? We just spent, spent a whole four-week session on amazing grace. I'm glad that we don't get everything we deserve. So in this, this way of looking at this, that there was no voice of God, but this guy growing up in Iran and his father's house, and his father was actually selling these uh, idols and these different things. They was, they was worshiping foreign gods. Abraham gets a promise. Leave the land of your father and mother. How many would like to hear that? How many would enjoy that? I know Greg, he, he left the land of his father and mother. He grew up in, down in Knott County, I think it's right there, Pippa Passes, down in eastern Kentucky. It's in the hills where there's nothing. But in Greg's world, it's everything. If you don't believe me, talk to him. Say, hey, Greg, what was it like down there in Pippa Passes? Anybody ever heard of Pippa Passes? Have you ever been there? <laughs> It's a little road between a holler, a big mountain, really. It's, it's bigger than our hills. And it's a little road going up through there, and it's another creek called Caney Creek he talks about. It's just a little road with a few houses on it. But in his mind, it's home. Home means something to us, don't it? How many can remember back now? To the, I can remember growing up and, and growing up on Briary Creek. It's where the best people of the citizens of Lewis County come from. They all come, the good ones come from Brawley Creek. That's where we come from. <laughs> no, that's Farbrick. Farbrick. And Farbrick, they're rebels, they're, you know, all that. Brawley's where the good people come from. And growing up on that creek, and it's just like, it's so big when you're a kid, isn't it? You remember back, and everything seems big when you're a kid. I just think about the parade, and I was talking about, yes, you know, the, the school fair parade used to, in my mind, when I was little, it was like the biggest event ever. 
But really, most of the dolls that would have been around when we went through the biggest parade ever would have looked like the others just a parade. Ain't it amazing how, amazing how everything shrinks the older you get? Just like, well, yeah, let's go down to the parade. When you're a kid, it's like, man, i got to walk through the parade. i got to carry a sign. i got to throw candy. I loved it yesterday because I was following the following uh, Melissa and them down the street, and Leslie was in the back with them. And, and the Bethesda people, it looked like we was uh, uh, kind of sporadic, I guess, or, <laughs> or at, at the <laughs> my truck didn't have a horn. Probably glad I didn't. It was her. She blamed it on your boy. Poor little feller. He was so tickled throwing candy. I wish you could have saw him. I wish I, I should have videoed it. He was he was throwing candy, and if it didn't go all the way out to the street of where it needed to land for the other kids to get it, he would run back towards my truck that was driving towards you, reach down, and grab the candy and throw it again. Can you imagine how big that was in his world? I guarantee you someday he's going to grow up in about 30 years. At thir- well, hopefully he grows up before then, right, Pete? <laughs> Get him out of the house, you know, pay his own bills kind of stuff. Uh, hopefully before then. But in his world then, he's going to look back and say, man, I remember one time we had Christmas parades and it was big and I had so much candy I had to scoop shovel down the road. And just in his mind, that's the way it was working. Everything's bigger. But God tells Abraham, get out of your homeland. Leave your father your mother. Nobody wants to leave home. But sometimes God's got to get you away from your normal to get you to the place he's got you in promise. And see, Donna, if Greg would have never left home, he would have never met Donna. He's got a promise for you. He's got a plan for your life. But he's telling you today, leave your normal to get to the place of promise. I've got a better plan for you than you do for yourself. I know you love Canyon Creek. I know you love Briarly. But I'm telling you, there's a better place. I don't know where home is for you, but I can assure you this, that God's got a big plan for your life. God's got a big plan for our church. He's, it's, not, it's not by happenstance that we're doing what we're doing. I believe it's a plan of God. And as God leads through this and he tells Abraham, leave the land of your father and mother. And when Abraham actually leaves, he's hearing this voice telling him, leave. There's no book. There's no writing. There's nobody else that's been leaving. All he's got is a voice. Think about this. How many's ever heard voices in your head? <laughs> yeah, we've all heard voices. They talk about bipolar and all this stuff. I, I think we're all bipolar. How many's ever changed your mind on something within two minutes? I want a raise of hands. That's called bipolar. <laughs> That's where you switch from one gear to the next. It's like, yeah, I'm going to do this. No, I'd be better to do that. No, I think I'll go back. I'll try that. No, you better get back over here. And it's back and forth. That's where our minds work. I'm not making fun of people with the chemical imbalance. There's, there's some things that need, need some medicine, right? I, be, I believe that there's, there's uh, things wrong in culture because of the fall of Adam and Eve, the fall of humanity. 
But I really believe that our minds are not made up. And sometimes the voices we hear, we got to challenge. Is that the voice of God or is that the voice of my reason? Is that the voice of God or is that the voice of my reason? Who am I going to listen to? God's saying, leave your home. Leave your home. Abraham's like, God, I don't even know who you are. I don't even have a book about you that tells me who you are, but you're telling me to leave, and this is the only comfort I've got is, is I've got a mom and dad that cares about me. I've got people around here, a community that I grew in, grew up in, and they care about me, and you're telling me to leave for a better plan? That don't sound like a very good plan to me, right? The voice of reason. So the voice of God continues to direct Abraham. And how many believes that God is relentless? How many believes he chases you? How many believes he chased you until he, until he finally uh, caused you to decide to follow him? I believe God chased me for years. I don't believe it was a, a one-time event where that God just all of a sudden decided, well, now's Ben's time. I think he was constantly chasing me and saying, uh, I know you died in that cistern. I know, I know you've been down this path. I know you've had all these experiences in your life, but I haven't left you. I haven't forsaken you. I'm still chasing you. Won't you come and follow me? The voice of God never leaves us. He's always with us. And as he's chasing Abraham, I can imagine just the constant voice coming back in Abraham's mind saying, leave your homeland. Leave your homeland. Abraham finally does, packs up, and takes off. When he does, he takes a few people with him. And as he heads out through the land of nowhere, down a road that nobody travels, and he makes a path towards a future that God's telling him in his mind, I'm going to show you a place. I'm going to show you a land. It's a land of promise. And when you get there, you're going to know that you're in the right place at the right time. How many like those kind of promises? You're going to know that you're in the right place at the right time. You're not going to be wondering. You're not going to be conditioning your mind of should I or should I not. It's going to be a known. How many wants that kind of promise from God? He wants to settle your uh, questioning whether you're in the right place or not. I believe God wants to satisfy the desires of our hearts so that we know that we know that we know I'm in the right place at the right time. And I believe that I'm in the right place at the right time at Bethesda because God has called me here. He has placed me here for a reason. I don't know why, but I know that I'm in the right place. There's a known to that. So I'm glad that Abraham had this call of God, and when he got to the place and he began that journey all the way from Iran, Imagine taking off from a place by yourself with just a few of your family, your wife and, and I think his uncle and maybe her nephew, Lot, he takes with him. And, and he takes off and he, he goes through this land and there's all these people wanting to kill you. How many ever had that type of experience where it felt like everywhere you go, everybody was against you? Amen. So God leads him down his path, and as he's going, he's going along, and everybody's against him, and there's opposition all over the place, and there's, there's armies set up, and they'll come out, and, and who are you, and why are you traveling through here? You see, because not everybody hears the voice of God that knows the plan of God for your life. Most of them there are there to challenge what God has said to you, to try to prevent you from going forward in what God says for you to do. I call them naysayers. Anybody ever had a naysayer in your life? Where you felt like God called you to do something? Make Pastor Ben cookies? 
And then all of a sudden, right in the middle of that, that whenever the thrill of hope got in your heart, it's like, man, I get to, I get to prepare no bites for my pastor. This is going to be so great. He, it's just going to be so lovely. Leslie's not going to eat any of them. Ben's going to get them all. And, and that moment, and then all of a sudden the phone rings, and it's like, uh, who can I say? Uh, I'm going to be cautious with words here. Um, Person A, I'll just use them as person A. That way I don't have to say any names, okay? Person A calls, did you hear what Pastor Ben done? Isn't he such a failure? I can't believe he said that during Sunday morning service. Can you believe he even talked like that with that microphone? Then all of a sudden your thrill of hope of making me no-bake cookies turns into, I wouldn't make that scoundrel nothing. Please don't listen to person A. <laughs> Please don't. You know why? Because I want the cookies. I'm about some cookies. I think that's God's plan for my life is no bake cookies. I really do. I'm going to have to go get some today. Somebody's got to get me some no bake cookies before I uh, perish and end up falling away to nothing and the wind blowing me away when I walk down the steps. But Abraham gets his promise and he's traveling through and all these naysayers are calling, Abraham, you sure you're supposed to go? He was on his telly like, yeah, mm-hmm, my iPhone. Texting, he's texting back and forth. No, God's got a big plan for my life. I'm going forward. Everybody else is texting back. No, they don't. You're a loser. Blah, blah, blah. You took Lot. You robbed us. You took everything we had. Abraham's traveling through the land, not even know where he's going. And he walks all the way up through. And actually, you know the region of the world where that the war is going on right now? You know where ISIS exists today? In Syria? Do you know the exact same ground? It's what Abraham walked across about 4,000 years ago. Right through the same country where that all the opposition to the good and the promises of God, where that the devil set up his kingdom and tries to tear down everything God does, right through that region of the earth, Abraham comes strolling through. People try to stop him. Don't go any farther. There's nothing out there. You're heading into a desert. It's famine. Don't go that way, Abraham. And sometimes if we would just listen to God rather than listen to people, we'd be a lot better off. So Abraham didn't listen to the people. He kept going. And as he's traveling through this land where Isis is today, he was hearing all this opposition, and he gets down into the land of promise. He goes through Lebanon and ends up walking right down through the land of Israel that's there today. It's where that all the opposition is happening today that everybody says, the Iranians say, I want to blow them off the map. I don't want Israel to exist no longer. That was God's promised land to Abraham. And he promised it to him, and he said, your generation, your descendants will be as the stars of the sky, as the sand of the beach that you're looking at. There's going to be so many descendants that it's going to be innumerable. You can't even make enough numbers to to make up the numbers that's going to be your seed through what you're doing, Abraham. How many knows that's hard to understand? Whenever you're walking with you and your wife and your nephew, and God's telling you, I'm going to make your descendants as many as the stars in that sky when you're laying there sleeping, Abraham. Abraham's like, God, might be a good decision for you to give me a child first before you start making those promises. He gets down in that land, and, and he gets there, and he travels down into Egypt. You know the story of how Abraham comes back, and, and he gets back, and he, he's living in, in the a land that's real close to around Jerusalem, around that area is where Abraham, and this is the promised land of God. 
And as he's living there, he gets up into his 90-some years old. Still no kids. How many seems like that situation is working itself out that I've got? I don't know. <laughs> but the promises of God are yes and amen. And then the invo invisible voice of God is enough to sustain you until that moment. The Bible talks about when Melchizedek came and, and, and Abraham gave his tithes unto Melchizedek and Melchizedek was there and, and Abraham's uh, uh, hearing what God is saying through this, through this king that's come here to, to make up this thing. And most people say that Melchizedek was a form of Christ. It was Jesus Christ coming to talk to Abraham. Some people think, well, Jesus was born uh, 2,000 years ago and he didn't exist before then, but I believe that Christ is the preeminence, the Bible says, of all things. I believe he was there before the earth was ever formed. Jesus was born in a human body form, but he has always existed. He's not a new thing. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has always been around. There's always been a trinity. And, and we can see this, that, that the Bible says in John that nothing was, is made that wasn't made through the hands of Christ. Christ made it all. He, he formed the mountains. He done everything. He is the preeminence. Before anything existed, Jesus was there. Jesus shows up in his form as, as a king to Melchizedek, as Melchizedek and comes and talks to Abraham and says, you're going to receive the promise. You're going to receive a child. And, and the Bible says that in the tent, his wife, laughed within herself she's like yeah I'm 95 I don't think we'll be having a kid anytime soon and God knew she laughed within herself not out loud within herself it wasn't like a ha 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 I can't believe that it was like God heard the laugh within herself can I tell you today, God knows what's going on inside of your heart. He knows what promises he's made you, and he knows whenever you're challenging those things. He knows when your mind's trying to make reasoning around it and saying, no, God can't, and I don't think it, it's, it's been too long. It's, it, this seems like it's played out too far, and it's beyond the ability where God's not going to be able to fulfill this thing. But the thrill of hope on the inside of you will cause you to keep walking when everybody else says stop. The thrill of hope and the promise of God in, inside of you will cause you to keep going. And sometimes you may have those laughing moments when somebody is telling you that God's promise is getting ready to come to pass. And you might laugh within yourself. God knows when you laugh inside of your heart too. But that still small voice sometimes is an invisible voice. And I found five places in the New Testament that talks about that God is invisible. Still today, we have an invisible God. We have to depend on his spirit to speak to us that we know that it's his voice that we're walking by, not our voice of reason. Sometimes as a pastor, it's hard because the voice of reason tries to cause me to say, no, we don't need to do that. We don't need to try that, even though God's telling me to, because my voice of reason is saying, no, we need to do it this way because it's the way we've always done it. Amen? If you've ever led a ministry, you know what I'm talking about. Whenever your voice of reason tries to say, no, I'd rather take the safe way than the way God's telling me. I'd rather stay in my home like Abraham rather than go on the journey to get to the promised land where Abraham is. 
Abraham's lineage comes all the way down. 14 generations later, King David's born. 14 more generations, the exile happens. And 14 more generations, the birth of Jesus Christ happens. How many knows those promises are proof that God is real? His voice is true. And it should exceed the voice of our reason. How many's ever told yourself something that didn't make any sense? In your mind, you start reasoning something out, and you're like, that don't make any sense at all. You know why? Because it's not by your intellect you're ever going to obtain anything from God. You can't think yourself out of situations in your life. You have to know it's the voice of God, it's the direction of God, and it's the plan of God that I'm to be where I'm to be. I don't want to stay in the comfortable home. I want to end up in the land of promise. How about you? If the invisible God can speak to a man without a book, without any family that supports him, and cause him to walk a thousand miles to an area that he don't know one single person and set him up and end up having his generations to truly come out to be more numerable than the stars in the sky, more numerable than the sands of the sea. If that voice of God can predict that and cause that to play out, how many wants to listen to that voice? I want the invisible voice of God to be what leads and guides my life. How about you? Won't you stand? The thrill of hope today is for us to, us to see this, that God's promise is true. He promised Abraham that his descendants would bless the entire earth. And this promise is fulfilled in Jesus. Today is our mission Sunday, the first Sunday of the month, and we're going to receive part of our offering a little bit to be cover our missionaries that we've sent around the world to spread this gospel. so glad that the bankies raised their support so fast that they're already going, getting ready to go back to that region of the earth that we can't even talk about. God's got a plan. Sometimes we don't understand. All we need to do is say yes. It's as simple as that. God is asking you, will you say yes? Sometimes there's things happens in our life that we don't understand and sometimes we feel things that that's not really there I've got an article here that I printed out and talked about a guy that that was having issues in his body with with his leg and it had this condition where that uh, it, it had pain that was just extreme that there was uh, nerves was happening and and different disease was actually uh, uh, taking his leg a little bit at a time it was withering away and the doctors kept trying to tell him, hey, you need to get that leg amputated. He's like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to keep it as long as I can. It was aggravating. It was irritating. It was painful. And it was, this was before uh, medicine that we have today. There was no pain pills to him. He's having all this disease, and the pain was there. And the doctor's like, if you'll amputate it, you'll, you'll be able to see that, that, that the pain will leave. This guy was so angry and so caught up in his moment that he was like, no, I'm going to keep, keep doing what I want to do. I want to keep doing it my way. So he suffered through the pain where it become bearable. But eventually the disease got so bad that it got to such a point that he couldn't take the pain any longer. 
And he walks up to the doctor and he says, okay, doctor, uh, just go ahead and amputate my leg like you have said. The doctor says, okay, and they, they schedule and they're getting ready to do the procedure and they're getting ready to amputate his leg. And he's like, what do you do with legs after you amputate them? doctor's like, well, sometimes we'll do studies on them and, and we'll try to do this or that and then we usually incinerate them. We burn them. And the guy, because of all the pain that he had felt in his life, he was like, I, this pain is, this leg has caused me so much pain and I, I want it to know and look at me the rest of its life. So doctor, could you put my leg in a jar and pickle that leg so that I can put it in my house so that it can see me as still going through the pain of life without it doctor goes through the procedure he cuts his leg takes his leg and, and he puts it in a jar and he, he, he uh, uh, puts this uh, fluid in there that keeps the leg preserves the leg and the guy goes home carrying his jar with his leg in it. And he gets home and he puts it on the mantle and he sits down and then all of a sudden the pain that he thought was going to be done away with, the leg is still sitting on the mantle. All of a sudden, he can feel the pain. Even though the leg is no longer there, they've amputated his leg. It's called a phantom pain. It's something that's real. You can, you can talk to people that's lost limbs and lost fingers and lost toes and they'll tell you that they can feel, literally feel just like that body part is still there. It's a phantom pain. It's an invisible pain. And I really believe in our lives that there's people standing in this room that have tried to crucify your flesh, that's tried to put things away from your life, that's tried to uh, give up on, on what the world says for you to do, and, and you're trying to travel this road for God, and you're trying to walk out this road for God, you've been amputated that one part of you that was the bad part of you. But still from time to time, you can feel phantom pain from the pain that was in your past. I believe today, today is the day where God can make promises where that you no longer feel the pain of your past, but you feel a joy feel a thrill of hope in your present because there's a future brighter than your past. Does anybody believe that with me today? That an invisible voice of God, not the invisible phantom pain of yesterday, but an invisible voice of God can speak to me clearly today and let me hear and know that I'm where I'm supposed to be at the time I'm supposed to be there and God has a plan for my life and it's better than anything I can ever dream up myself. Won't you bow your head and close your eyes? God, I pray that your spirit would reveal your message today to the hearts of your people. God, I pray that every person here that's present here today, Lord, that they will hear your voice, and Lord, they will know exactly what you're calling them to do. Lord, that the promise for their future will be made today and Lord that there will be a thrill of hope that will awaken on the inside of them in their innermost parts of their being God in their spirit man in their soul in their body Lord that they will know that they know that they know that you are with them and that you are for them 
that it won't just be words on a screen that we sing, that Jesus, that you love me, that you're for me, but it will be real in their hearts. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. So right now, with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, I want to ask today, how many wants to hear God's voice so that you'll know clearly and definitely that God has you in the place you're supposed to be at this time? Anybody raise your hand that you, you want to hear his voice today? You want to hear his voice today? People all over the room, you can put your hands down. Everybody here, just say this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to speak to me. Speak to my heart. Speak to my mind. Speak to my spirit, man. That I will know that I know that you have a plan for my life. Set destiny before me. Order my steps and my feet. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I believe if you prayed that, if you meant that, that God's voice is going to be able to hear. You're going to hear still small voices from God. And you're going to be awakened in the middle of the night and you're going to know, wow, God is talking to me. And it won't be a voice of reason where that you have to challenge it or, or you won't have to wonder, is that God or is that not God? You're going to know that you know that you know that that was God.